0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Undone Podcast. This episode of the podcast was recorded on May 29th, 2020 at 5.30 p.m. And this one, I was really eager and looking forward to uh, talking to the great and powerful Muinne Loco Rudd. And um, a little about her, she earned her bachelor's degree in sociology from Houston Tillotson University and her master's degree in social work from Tes- Texas State. And I first encountered her and met her, uh, and had the honor of watching her at her TEDx talk and I'll be posting a link in the description. So I encourage you to go watch that and, um, yeah, go ahead and enjoy this podcast. Oh no, no, seriously. Thank you. So to, to tell the listeners, um, one, Back in January, it was January, I want to say. My my no, entire February. February, okay. So my entire frame of of time is entirely skewed with quarantine. But in February, right. I had the honor of attending um, your TED talk. In fact, with uh, w- which is something. Is is that self admittedly in conversations like this? Last night, um, you know, I want to apologize to you about you know such a last minute podcast. But um, last night, you you asked me, you know, William, what's what's the goal? What, you know, what's the goal with you know your podcast? And that's something I, I had trouble grappling with. And for one, I'm a bad texter. Um, but <laughs> but but two, um, I I think. In moments like these, the moments that we, we're we're living in history, is that I self admittedly want to educate my listeners, um, but at the same time, you know these are questions that I don't even know. That I I think it's 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 an educating um, aspect to one podcast or TED talks. That you know it's okay for people to not know things. And whenever I listened to your TED Talk on the social phenomena of skin bleaching, I, I was honestly it, a part of me was, was astounded that that is even a thing. And, and, and I really wanted you to actually be able to to dive deeper into the, the social phenomena of skin bleaching so i mean first first and foremost I, I think my my first question is, when did you encounter skin bleaching in 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 your life
1: um so i I would say that i I have never not encountered skin bleaching in my life it's mm-hmm. been um uh, something that's been ex- at least exposed to me. Uh, I've never practiced it, uh, mm-hmm. but I have been have observed it. I've been exposed to it since a, since childhood. I, um, You know this from coming to my TED, but for your listeners, I am Kenyan-American, and Kenya is a East African country, and so uh, my mom uh, is an immigrant, and so I grew up in, quite frequently, in, in African communities. Um, I grew up in Houston, which is quite diverse and is a port of entry, as some of you may know. So it's, it's very diverse uh, and has large African communities. And so um, my mom does not bleach, but I grew up seeing members of, you know, my American African or African-American community. And it sounds, it sounds like I'm saying black American, but I literally mm-hmm. mean Africans, um, mm-hmm. you know, just normally use products like this. And um, I didn't really question it. It wasn't, my mom, you know, would make comments, you know, to, to love your skin and to, you know, oh, that person's bleaching or whatever the case was small comment, but it wasn't really necessarily explained to me at a young age, but I definitely saw it, especially also in, um, in musically and in our, like for dance hall music, I mentioned that in the Ted as well. And I don't want to give away too many things Mm -hmm. from the, from the TEDx talk because I want, folks to go watch it absolutely
0: (laughs) absolutely i will be posting a link uh for my listeners to go and watch it it's a it's a wonderful eye-opening talk but please continue
1: thank you and and so i i i didn't have someone you know, outright say, you know, these are the structural influences of it, but, you know, as a kid growing up, my mom would, you know, say that they don't, they don't like their skin, they don't love their skin, and then I would see it in definitely in the music, uh, international music, so definitely heavy and dance hall music for, for people that are familiar with the Caribbean, You know diaspora and the music that comes out of there a lot of bleaching a lot of bleach culture but really it's it's the entire african diaspora all over the world um but those are just my like initial um exposures to it um but as as i grew up um moved to austin you know traveled went back to kenya more frequently as an adult you know went to um i i visited pakistan um and i had the opportunity to see how global of a phenomenon it was and um, being able to, you know, be in a master setting and go to conferences and then meet Far East Asian um, scholars who I would share these, you know, uh, discussions with, and they would tell me themselves, hey, you know, this is something that is happening in in Far East Asia as well. And so that, in in an, through an academic channel, you know, through the master's in social work program that I just completed, in those classes, I tried to 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 use those assignments to research, you know, the global um, phenomenon of skin bleaching. And and so it started out as, you know, very me seeing it just mainly from a Black American standpoint, from an African immigrant standpoint, um, but then it started to grow as I got older. And so I still haven't seen all of it yet. I haven't been to every continent yet, mm-hmm. but I, I, I have no doubts from my research that it's, it's very prevalent and um, it is a global issue.
0: And, you know, that, that's something that it, it just astounds me. So I'm at this weird juncture. So um, my father is white, um, but my mother is black, similar Indian and Spaniard. And, and so I, it's like, you know, I am the byproduct of, you know, Western imperialism and colonialism but at the same time, you know, uh, directly seeing, like, say, you know, my mother grew up in the Jim Crow South. She, you know, she went to a, a segregated high school. And this is, there, there's there been, it's, in a sense, this weird cognitive dissonance that I've experienced on. On one hand, I, I have heard people in the last weeks, uh, so fairly recent, um, that racism doesn't exist in the United States, and I think that is absolutely asinine and absurd.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, and, and no, that's
1: definitely false. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, exactly. Um, and and two, you know, th- this concept of of whiteness and the the concept of race uh, as a whole, um, biologically speaking, there there is no difference between myself and say yourself. And say, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, because we're all, you know, human beings. But race, as this social construct, has essentially really separated Americans. And and I, I feel like it, the concept of beauty is is something that I've had to had to grapple with, and my own uh, implicit biases. And uh, I imagine from your research and your studies, you're, you're familiar with the implicit association test, right? I think the Harvard one.
1: I've taken yes, the Harvard yes, test. Yeah. So yes. I
0: just actually probably 30 minutes ago, I took it. And, um, I took the, uh, Native American American one. The next one I was going to take was the, it's the white and black, uh, race one. And, right. and, and so I, I, I think how do we as, you know, a society, you know, we're confronted with a very ugly truth. And I think actually truths um, that one, racism in America is alive and well. I, I think that's, I, I think that's, you know, something that can't be argued. Um, and then, And then two is that essentially we live in a police state. And that's something that I've had trouble grappling with in the last, you know, several weeks w- with um, whether it's, you know, people, uh, private citizens um, taking extra judicial uh, measures to literally kill someone because they're jogging and because they're black. Like, I, I feel like at this at this juncture, I cannot, you know, it, or anyone rational person cannot be an apologist for the murderers of Ahmaud Arbery. And, and much less the murderers of you know, George Floyd. And I, I th- I'm really struggling with grappling with not only this police state we're in, because if you or I were on the street while George Floyd had a knee on his neck for nine minutes, nine minutes, and that, that's something that is, you know, watching that video, it, it's heart-wrenching. It, because not only do I know you and I would be powerless, but if you and I did anything, that we could be killed ourselves. So, like, how how do we grapple with that, not only as a society, but just as people in general?
1: So, ooh, you, you laid a lot on me there. <laughs> um, the the first thing i i'd like to just touch on just so i can kind of process what you said and, mm-hmm. and speak and, and touch on every part but um so you mentioned being biracial being mixed uh, my dad is white mm-hmm. and um, although my dad is white i do not pass white and so my experience here on this earth, um, ha, for the past 26 years, has been that of a black woman, and so I don't, in any way, not acknowledge that my father is white, but I realize that my experience is that of a black woman, and that's my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would also say that our our race, our understanding of race, is is highly dependent upon eugenic, you know, European eugenic, false scientific, you know, uh, rhetoric. Um, that's been pushed into like our culture of of knowledge, even down to medical science, and, and I do mention that a bit, um, and and how that's con- construing what we perceive as 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 disability, as as a lot of things, but um, it influences uh, um, in many realms of academia and, and and society, and but it has to, we have to remember that. Like the the confusion about how race is is put on on us, no matter what our makeup is, we have to remember that, like you said, white being white or whiteness is simply a structural experience. So the fact that I have a white dad, or the fact that you have, you know, a mother who has um, is black and Samoan and 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 different um, non. Non-white uh, races and ethnicities—it uh, it does, that doesn't matter. Whiteness is not an ancestry. Whiteness is not ethnicity. Whiteness is not genetic makeup. It's—it's it's how white dominant society treats you. So one can be mixed, um, but in reality, their experience depends on what white society sees them and see, sees us and classifies us as. So. So it could be someone who is, you know, has a black mom, has a black dad, but they pass as white. They might be lighter than me. They might have phenotypes that, that look whiter than me. And so they, they live with that privilege. So it's not nece- necessarily about genetic makeup. And and I think people sometimes um, who are not ex- aren't exposed or haven't had these conversations um, with with with. Descendants, African descendants, will will be mixed up understanding. Um, so one can be mixed, but in reality, their experience depends on what white society sees and classifies them in. And so, if if society sees you as white, like I said, you'll get that privilege regardless. And so, it's it's a term um, some social scientists are starting to call being functionally white. Mm. And so, what I find toxic about mixed classifications like mulatto and creole and, and, all, and different types of categories like that. I, I wanna be clear that those names were derogatory and used as colonial tools, as white supremacist tools to, to say that this, this multi-race future where blackness is breeded out is, will come as long as we, it, it, it was a way to position whiteness and white proximity within groups of people of color to kind of create this, you know, basically eradicate Blackness and create a, a, a stronger, you know, race hierarchy, if mm-hmm. you will. So if, if, if these mulattoes who are still going to be lynched, who are still not going to be given any rights, who are still going to be, or mixed folks, who are still going to be treated as Blacks, if we make them think and make darker Blacks think that they're a special kind of Black, then that can kind of stop them from unifying. And I would say the same thing goes for Asian Americans or other model minorities that have been pivoted toward, against um, intentionally uh, against blacker uh, folk, African people of African descent. Um, it's, it's a way of make, making sure that we do not unify and, and acknowledge who our, who our oppressor is. And that is white supremacist, that is white dominance. Um and, and, and I and I try to and that's another reason why I don't necessarily push um, you know my the the presence of my whiteness in those spaces because the presence of my whiteness does not give me privilege. And so it's just, it's, it's an interesting conversation. I think folks of color, people of color, even non-black people, people of color who pass white should speak on the privilege that they receive. But I, I, I just want it to be clear that it's not just folks who are mixed with white that have that privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, forgive me. I'm trying to. Oh no no, I'm you're fine.
0: All and all the stuff. Yeah, like, uh,
1: that you mentioned. But I um, I know you kind of said like how how is basically as people of color. Where I, well, maybe you can help me clarify. Were you saying how as people of color, like me and you, how are we dealing with um, you know, these public lynchings of, of, of black people, or 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 you know, or what were you saying? I'm sorry. No
0: no no. So I I think, it's not only people of color like there, there's something there's something about it, something that i've been grappling with and wrestling with in the last year i'm going to tell you a personal story so my grandmother would pass as a black woman and she is uh, she was born in nacimiento de los negros in muskies uh, mexico and in i believe it was 2013 that trayvon martin was murdered correct i think so and and you know that that's something that's sad is at this point there's been this desensitization to the amount of honestly like i i can't even argue anymore because i found myself as an apologist uh for you know george zimmerman's actions when i was god 2013 when you know when i was a young man and it it was weird because so my grandmother literally said they killed another black kid. That's all they've been doing my entire life. And at the time, she was probably, you know, close to 80 years old. And she grew up, you know, in the Jim Crow South. And and for me, like, thinking back at that conversation is, one, why did I even disagree with her? She's got, you know, seven, eight decades of experience on me. Why? It's all honestly like irrational for me to disagree with her. She's seen these these public lynchings, uh, and I mean, Texas was the last state to not only desegregate but to to end slavery, right? Right. And so it's it's uh, at this juncture, I find it extremely hard for not only myself or any person to argue that there isn't a pattern of behavior. Of institutionalized systemic racism and 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 police uh, uh, police officers and police offices, and the amount of in the podcast that I've done in the past, like the series I'm doing right now, I do you know hundreds of hours of research, and this is the the problem of race in the United States. I personally feel has has been an issue that has consistently pushed aside since 1877 when uh we abandoned reconstruction in the south and it's i I, i'm having trouble arguing anymore or even even just thinking that there is there's clearly something wrong we have a problem in our in our system that whether it's implicit or explicit that we need to solve because if, if we go back to feudalism if we go back to uh, prior to one the history of police is e- is extremely controversial I mean they were used by the polity in the state to control the interests of wealthy people wealthy white people right. to be to be uh, exact and uh, and this is something and I don't to catch it, slaves. Yeah, and to catch slaves, I, especially in the South. In my readings, uh, uh, there's yeah. a good there's a good book that people should read. It's uh, by Michelle Alexander. It's uh, the the new Jim Crow. Um, Absolutely. And I, I think it, whether it's through education or whether it's through you know personal readings, is that people that there's in a sense propaganda that has been fed to us that it's one bad apple, and I, I just. I can't, I, any rational human being now can, cannot argue that it is one bad apple. There's something systemically wrong at, the, at this point that we need to change. And I don't know if you know this, but so through the preparing for this podcast, I was like, okay, one, the police are supposed to protect and serve their sovereign, right? I didn't know that in 2005, that the Supreme Court ruled in Gonzales versus Castle Rock that the police do not have a constitutional duty to protect and serve, and that their function is to control and maintain the interests of the state and capital that that's disturbing that's that that's that's a fact unfortunately that's that's a hard truth yeah and uh, as a you know as someone who I am at a disadvantage when it comes to the conversations of privilege because I have been able, it's, it's weird. I'm, I'm able to selectively, um, have, have more privilege than others. Like whether it's, you know, building the studio or having, you know, uh, enough money to be able to purchase this equipment or having the platform to be able to talk about these issues. But at, at times, I think I may have jokingly—I jokingly mentioned this to people—but it's annoying when I travel um, and I grow my beard out fully. I actually get randomly s- selected for a secondary screening, probably seventy percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And and that's there's something wrong with that, you know. And th- this, I think, my question f- for you is how do Americans deal with privilege? Because uh, us, compared to, say, the third world or even second world countries, we enjoy a quality of life different than those. But it's honestly, in a sense, two Americas we live in, whether it's the wealthy and poor, but in particular white and black, that there are privileges that white people are it's just it's a fact that they're able to enjoy like can you explain what privilege is for the listeners
1: um you know privilege privilege is the ability to not have to know not have to not have to care not Mm -hmm. have to participate not have to pick a side not have to be a part of the discussion to just be complacent and i don't know if you have seen on social media, you know, how people are are, are really starting to, to say, hey, all these white celebrities, all these white, you know, p- folks with platforms, you know, it seems like you're just moving on as business as usual. You have all these followers of color, are you going to speak on the injustices? Are you going to are you going to sh- are you going to pick a side? And so I would say a privilege means different things depending on the individual. I as a I as a light-skinned black woman, Um, I I have, like I mentioned in my TED, I have a great deal of privilege compared to my very much darker African mother. And so, you know, but that privilege is not the same to to that of a white woman um, or a white man or a uh, person of color who is um, as proximity to whiteness is more than mine. So I I would say that every individual, especially the folks that are listening and want to know how they can address their privilege, they have to. I read this book called Bias by Jennifer uh, Eberhart, and she she talks about how she did all these um, implicit bias testing in police stations all over the country that she was co- brought in to do that uh, with some departments upon request. And 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 at the end of the book, her biggest her biggest note to the to the reader was, you know, we cannot stop implicit bias, but acknowledging your bias um, is 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 like the best step in moving forward. Because once you're aware that I feel this certain type of way towards black men, or I'm clutching my purse every time I'm I'm around a black man or whatever other stereotypical, you know, um, conditioning automatically comes to your mind for white people. If you're aware of that, you're more likely to be honest with yourself and check that behavior. But if you're in this mindset that we're in a mixing melting pot or I don't see color, as I've gotten in so many, you know, job settings and academic settings, how no one's supposed to see color. Mm-hmm. That is not helpful. At the end of Jim Crow, there's a there's a really um, good sociologist um, who, who talks about critical race theory, and he wrote a book called Racism, um, Racism Without Racists. His name is Dr. Eduardo Beniglia Silva, and he speaks uh, about colorblind ideology and the age of colorblind ideology and how Jim Crow In America was traded with that colorblind ideology and that's what we could use uh, to describe you know that I see no color and um, when with that you know it's it's been harder to find who is an ally and I would say that I would never say that I would want to go back to Jim Crow but I would say that it was easier to see the intentions of a white person in this country during Jim Crow than it is now, and it's oftentimes that a liberal white person. Let's use Amy Cooper as an example. Mm-hmm. Amy Cooper in in, oh, um, in Central Park. Uh,
0: yes, yes. Okay, I was going to ask: Is that the um? Uh, yeah, Central Park. Yeah. Yeah. Continue, please.
1: Yeah, and she and she, um, you know, we saw on the video. Unfortunately, it had to be video for people to 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 take it seriously and believe this gentleman. But we saw in video that before she had even called nine one one. She was already telling that gentleman that she was gonna let them know that he was African American. And she, I have no doubt that she probably thought she was, you know uh, in cahoots with her black colleagues at work and probably found herself to be pretty liberal, probably found herself not voting for Trump. But guess what? Even even her actions could have caused death upon that man. So it's like it's it's, I am honestly saying, The folks that might be listening here might identify as liberal and and might see themselves as completely away from Trump supporters, but they still need to check themselves. What they're doing now isn't enough. It's clearly not enough because we still have, you know, a society that's so willing um, to look at consistent videotapes of Black death and be so desensitized to it that a couple of hashtags is all that they think is is necessary and, and to describe a, a, a looting at a Target as, as not justifiable, but bombing in Iraq justifiable. So it's like, it's really being honest. I'm, I'm asking your listeners to really think that what does the black life mean to you? Do you value it? Do you think that is it is as important as your life, as your daughter's life, as your son's life, as your children's life, as your family members' lives? And when you start looking at us as humans, and humanizing our experience, then I think that the way you see black violence and anti and anti-black movement, um, what will it will it will new things will begin to appear once you start looking from that perspective. And I and I don't think a lot of whites that consider themselves liberal, liberal that consider themselves allies are taking the time. and And I've heard so many whites who have a black partner or a, a partner of color or adopted black child or maybe a child. Um, like, like For instance me my my dad is white and his side of the family. I have almost little to no communication with them And that is not because of me. That's their choice Do I think they would make more effort if I was white, you know, I don't know but it's it's being honest about about how you value black life how you view black people and 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 being honest about how that is you know impacting how you vote impacting how um, how you create friendships how you you know just it's, it's it, I think it's so multi layered that again like how the um, book I referenced to Bias by Jennifer Alexander mm-hmm. um, you have to you have to start at an individual level I've had so many white people text me and reach out to me and ask me hey you know I'm I'm feeling this x y and z about everything going on what's something I can do something you can do is being honest with yourself about your privilege and being honest with your family members and, and, and using your platform. I can say all of these things a hundred times, but if it comes from someone who is white, their peers are more likely to receive it gracefully than versus coming from me or other black people or other people of color. And so it's, it's using your platform and thinking that that's enough. And it's also putting your money where your mouth is. You know, I really appreciate retweets. I really appreciate hashtags. um, But you know, the dollar goes far in this country. And if, and mm-hmm. if people are really wanting, especially white people are really wanting to engage in meaningful contribution outside of, you know, their personal reflection and using their platform and, and calling out their friends, colleagues, and family members, then, then donating, you know, to their local bail bonds um, or, or to help bail out folks that are there for non black folks that are people of color that are there for nonviolent, um, you know, Offenses, different things like that are small ways that you can really make uh, an impact. And, and so I wouldn't say there's one way to do it, but it definitely starts with the individual and, and seeing what how to value the black life more from where you are.
0: Yeah, You know, it's something uh, it's, that, that's a lot of impact Be- because something I'm running into uh, not only on social media, but in personal conversations is the way that people of color can protest. And right. and it, it it's funny because the it, it's whether you're Cal- Colin Kaepernick and you take a knee, you know you're gonna get shit on by the conservative media and people on Facebook, or whether you do violent protest, um, it, it's like you lose no matter what. And I, I think there's something inherently wrong with that. the The great Martin Luther King said that riots are the language of the people that have no voice. And that's there's we're we're living in this age of doublethink to where it's it's we're, we're it, the entire conversation is essentially well well hey sir you can't you know take a knee because you know that's disrespectful yeah. and you need to find other ways to protest that are appropriate and even defining what is appropriate to protest is in a sense disgusting within itself. And I just—I'm so, like, in a way defeated by the rhetoric, whether it—it it, it really is, like, if if we're being honest, there's this phenomenon happening on the right that they have essentially hijacked, you know, whether it's, hey, you, you can only protest a certain way or be— um, you can only say things a certain way, and I, I just, I think for for people listening is, I've never considered myself Republican or Democrat, and because I, I I have you know bones to pick with whether it's um, Joe Biden or uh, Donald Trump in particular, and this is this is something that uh, I imagine you've heard is Donald Trump isn't a racist and. <laughs> And at, at, at this point, I i don't know if people know the history of him and his father. You know, in 1973, uh, uh, Richard Nixon's Justice Department, you know, not the radicals of, of the day, right, um, sued, yeah. sued Trump and his father and won because they were systematically discriminating against blacks and, and housing rentals. Like right, the, and and there's there's clearly this pattern of behavior. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Trump took out a a front page ad in the was it the New York Times? Um, For a,
1: Central Park Five. Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 And,
1: yeah. And- and,
0: it, that, that's just like it, it's but all... i
1: wouldn't i i guess what i'm i, I want to make clear to you and to your listeners that this is not surprising for black people mm-hmm. and um i i make a point you know i attended an historically black university in austin houston tillison university for my undergraduate mm-hmm. and then i went to texas state uh for my master's and i will tell you that it was a, a, a very big culture shock um but I, I want to. I'm saying that to say that that this is not unheard of for white folks. When I was in, when I was at Texas State, and I tried to go to white frat parties, me and my my black friends have been turned away, told what? we can't come in here. Like that's that's not abnormal. So even with the Trump thing, even though you're, you're, I know you're referencing how historically he's shown he's racist. Today, as the president, he openly shows that he's racist. It's not something that he's hiding when he's, you know, when he's discussing or when he's tweeting about the white people who are protesting um, to be let out of quarantine, he he, he describes them as very good people. When he's talking about the Blacks, and other people of color who are are, are protesting in the memory of, of George Floyd, he, re, he refers to them as thugs. We don't have to go back to 1980 or 1990 to see how racist Trump, Trump is. Even earlier, um, I don't know if it was today or last night, when he alluded to uh, the same exact quote that Walter Healy, the former Miami police chief mm. um, in 1967, said, when the looting starts, the, shootings, the shooting starts. Okay, well, um, he was a Klan member it, 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 like I don't think we have to go that far back to see that he is threatening black lives and that he he doesn't value black lives. But I don't want this to be only on Republicans, mm-hmm. a very liberal liberal Democratic mayor is the one that called in the National Guard uh, in, in, in Minneapolis and um, Amy Cooper, again, she views herself as a very liberal Democrat who is not racist. And mm-hmm. she came out in her statement and said that she does not feel she's racist, even though hundreds of thousands of people can all see that she's done some pretty racist stuff and, and should be classified as a racist. So it's I, I don't want it. I think it's very easy for whites to say, oh, those overt Republican racists over there, they're so wrong, we hate that. But I, I would say that, um, you know, when, when... The, even in the smallest way, and I don't think it's small, but just to try to give a scale, when whites who think of themselves as are liberal and they're in a work setting and they see their black colleagues constantly being treated a certain way, or they see their black colleagues' hair being touched inappropriately, or they see their black colleagues getting you know, um, treatment that's not equal, or they're not getting the promotion they know that they should, or they know that they're getting paid more than their black colleague, but don't want to, all of those things contribute to black debt. And black violence, so it's or or telling you know. I remember when my mom um, would mention first moving to this country, uh, she was at a university immediately upon entering the country, and and she remembers um, that there was a dark Indian professor in the department where she was working as a as a grad uh, as a student worker or something like that, and and the white people in that department would say, oh. Oh you, you are are you also from India? You couldn't be from Africa. Like this 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 way of this well it's the well-meaning white person that I'm scared mm-hmm. of. I'm not scared of the white person downtown that calls me a nigger. Mm-hmm. I'm scared of the white person that pretends to be my friend in Hyde Park but votes for Trump and makes uh, microaggressions and touches my hair without permission and 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 thinks that that the looting does, is, doesn't justify the cause in, in, in Minneapolis.' That's the, that's the white that i'm I'm afraid of.
0: So So let me ask you something. This is something I think that we are confronted with this November. And I, I imagine you heard the comments that uh, presidential candidate and previous vice President Joe Biden uh, made that you ain't black if you have questions about voting for him. And this is something that I've been tr- uh, having trouble grappling with. Is you know, it, for people who don't know this, Joe Biden actually drafted legislation for the 1994 Crime Bill, that is directly responsible for mass incarceration in the United States, and and so it, I I'm personally at odds right now, um, you know, with the the is that the Democrats had great candidates. And, and yet the best that we got was, you know, Joe Biden. You know, I, I'm having, I, I'm really having trouble even considering voting for him. And, and the thing is, I, I consider myself, you know, I am very for uh, expanding rights and protections for workers um, and just general egal- an egalitarian society. And, you know, Joe Biden, unfortunately, was, you know, him and his, and his cabinet uh, with Barack Obama, they kicked out 5.1 million people out of their homes in the 2008 um, financial crisis and foreclosed on them. And, you know, expanded these, uh, the, the police state and the militarization of, you know, the police. And it's, it, but it, it's like literally we're in a prisoner's dilemma right now because on one hand, I've got the guy who's directly responsible for the police state that we live in. But then I've got the other guy who is telling me out loud that he's a racist. And that's something I wanted to read were actually his tweets. Um, He said back on May 1st, the governor of Michigan should give a little and put out the fire. These are very good people, but they are angry. They want their lives back again safely see them, talk to them, make a deal. And he's referring to the uh, protesters at Governor Whitmer's capital in Michigan who were armed with AR-15s <laughs> and uh, essentially a militia that took over the governor building. And then, you know, as you read, you know, he said when the looting starts, the shooting starts, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was last night. Right. And, and it's like we we are... You know, if you don't mind me asking, was there a certain candidate that you were rooting for?
1: Oh, I, I don't mind at all. I, um, I voted for Bernie Sanders. Um, I was open to Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. I thought they were both two great candidates. Um, I did not vote for Biden. I had no interest in voting for Biden at any point. But I will say this, not voting for Biden is voting for Trump. Not mm. voting is voting for Trump. And um, Trump is not an option. Uh, Trump does not mind seeing Black lives uh, uh, on on television killed. It doesn't bother him. He doesn't. He doesn't mind, you know, uh, creating race rhetoric in this country that is toxic and harmful, and that of Jim Crow. Um, and despite how much I dislike um, Joe Biden. Um, I, even something like that, I have to think bigger picture. Right now, uh, we are living under a pandemic um, and black lives are dying, black people are dying at a a higher rate than than any other race, especially whites. Mm -hmm. And this is something that is affecting us um, profoundly. And I know that if we had a Democrat, um, uh, a a more way, a considerably more reasonable approach to handling uh, a, a world pandemic would be be implemented. And so it's no longer, unfortunately, this is the hard truth that um, people of color, especially black people have had to live with way before uh, the Trump um, administration. And so again, I would never encourage any person of color or any white ally to vote for Trump or choose not to vote. Mm -hmm. I would never say that Um, and I I can't control, you know, how others vote. And I understand why I personally totally understand why Biden's remarks are, um, you know, disgraceful and disgusting. Um, However, however, these arguments, even the Charlemagne, uh, you know, interview, I appreciate what Charlemagne did to use his platform. But we needed all of that when we were still picking a Democratic candidate. There is no longer a choice.
0: Yeah, no, no and, and so
1: I think getting people riled up about things that we can no longer change, like the Democratic candidate, it's it's counterproductive. Now we can say, hey, we we understand that this is him. Maybe we can make demands about who we think would be a great, you know, VP or what he needs to do for the Black community, um, you know, to to show he's bringing someone who maybe is more educated about these things and can help him and help direct him. But it, again, we don't have a choice. To, it's only Biden or Trump, and again, Trump is not an option. Mm-hmm. Trump will lead to more black violence, more black death. And so, um, you know, if I don't advocate for anything else um, today, it's it's please, please vote. Please vote. It matters. And please vote in your local elections. And as you're voting more frequently and um, more locally, you know, we will have a bigger voice. But it, it makes me sad that we only have, you know, these in-depth conversations about voting when it's, you know, the presidential candidates are you know, I, I, I would really love to see more people of color and more white allies, you know, um, voting for blacks and other people of color in our local elections.
0: Mm-hmm. Like that, that's something that like, that I was confronted with and, and to anyone that talks to me and knows me is I, I was an advocate for Bernie Sanders. Like the, the thing about democratic socialism, it is as American as apple pie is. And anytime the socialism word, the S word um, comes up, you know, it, there's this weird marrying of the, that word to communism. And th- the thing is, is, you know, what we're seeing in, in the United States, this is something that I don't know if people know, that, uh, you know, bad actors like Russia and China it, it explicitly utilize the racial divide in the United States to, you know, uh, create disunity in our country. But the thing is, is that we've never really addressed, you know, the race issue. We, 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 never really have. We, we were my my ancestors and your ancestors were promised, you know, forty acres and a mule, and they they didn't get that. They instead got systematically kept out of owning property, out of voting, out of living in certain neighborhoods, out of education, and it, it's, it, it's. We, we, we have to really confront this. It's not, nothing that we can no longer push aside. And I th- this is something that came up, you know, on the campaign trail was reparations. And as soon as you, you bring up reparations, I think people, you know, more conservative leaning, they say no. They're like, no, we cannot go there. But the, as a rational person, I like to consider myself that, and I like to consider some of the listeners that, is that, there is no other way to, to solve this directly than through reparations and education. There, there just isn't. You know, the, the, the two original sins that the United States committed was, one, completely committing mass genocide against Native Americans, and then, two, basing its economic system off of that of African slaves and expatriating them. Like, there, <laughs> there, just, there just isn't another, uh, another path. And, and so it's, you know, with, with, with Trump in particular, it's, it, it's funny because it, I, these conversations, he always gets brought up. And I think rightly so. I mean, he's the president of the United States. He's the executive. He, you know, helps, uh, he directs, I guess, the, like, the, the soul of the country, Right. And it, it's, you know, like I could bring up the quote to where, you know, he says, uh, black guy's counting my money. I hate it. You know, I think the guy is lazy and probably not his fault because laziness is a trade in blacks. And right. and and it's it's things like that, that, you know, th- there, this is a recent phenomenon that I actually did want to ask you about. I, are, are you familiar with uh, Candace Owens? No, I'm not. Okay. So Candace Owens is, I'm, <laughs> she is a... a a black American conservative commentator. And um, it's weird because a part of me wants to describe this. We saw this phenomenon in the 2010s and even now that, you know, this push, this push and backlash to, you know, social justice, so to say. And, And a byproduct of that was, you know, the Ben Shapiro's, the Candace Owens, uh, the Jordan Petersons, and it's, this, is, this is something that I've never been given a good answer to, is what is wrong with social justice? What is wrong with egalitarianism? We should all, you know, strive, you know, for equity in our, in our society, and, and, and it's, you know, nobody wants to be told how to vote, I think that's, you know, a reality we're both faced with. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's we are living in a time when a disease is... Uh, the, there's a documentary I watched, The Color of COVID. And you're right, it's uh, disproportionately affecting, you know, the black community. And, and, and the uh, poor people in general, too. And I, I just... I don't think people like to see those ugly truths... Right.
1: I would say that I, you know, I I think that it's that 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 folks are breastfed on racism out here. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that I've been to, you know, um, as a child, you know, preschool and under uh, when I, I was born in Missouri. I didn't move to Texas until I was 10. And I remember we would be places and my mom would be the darkest person there. And then I'd be the second darkest. And and, you know, people's children, people's white children my age you know, would, um, come up to my mom or come up to me and say, you know, why, why is your skin that color? Or why are you dirty? Or, you know, different, different comments. And their parents would look, you know, afraid like me or my mom, you know, would be mad at a child. Um, or I'm too young to really respond, but, you know, still looking confused. Why is this person describing me that way? Um, or why is this peer describing me that way? And my mom would always, you know, um, tell me uh, to debrief on those situations that, you know, they're, that child doesn't know any better, but their parents are teaching them that fear. It's fear. If you make it, if you dehumanize a black person so much, where it seems like they're this this fairy tale with you know, this idea of you know like, or, for instance, this idea that some people are grown up being told that the same way that they can't trust black people, they're being told they have tails, or they're they're being told they have you know that's a real thing. You know, like Jesus these. these things that doesn't make sense but they they don't ever have a family friend who's black, they don't ever have someone in church who's black, they don't ever have someone in their school who's black. They don't have they only see black people in these certain spaces and so it, they never get that they never have their parents it's it's all it it starts with kids but i would say that it's humanizing the black life. Mm-hmm. If you're not making an effort to introduce your children to to Blacks and, and humanize that experience to them, then of course they'll grow up, even if they're not trying to be racist, you know, having these implicit bias and this conditioning that a Black, that they should grab their purse when a Black person walks by, or whatever the case, or, or be afraid in Central Park when a Black man tells, you know, tells you that you, you're supposed to put your dog on a leash and, and begin to feel so threatened that a Black man shouldn't even speak to you that way. It's it's this way, it's this way that they, that, that whites, are being raised in where they, do- it's again, it's that privilege to not have to talk about it. It's that privilege to have a Barbie doll in your in, in your skin color and so to not have to think, are, am I a representation of beauty? It's that, it's that privilege of not having to pick a side about Trump because either way, you'll be okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's that privilege. So it's like, if you're not taking the time with your kids, if you're not taking the time with your family members, if you're not taking the time with your close friends, if you're not taking the time with your co- colleagues, to just discuss your ignorance, discuss your privilege, discuss the realities of race in this country and in society, then then even the most well-meaning person is is going to divulge back into the stereotypical thinking that, because that's all they know. Mm-hmm.
0: You know? You that, know? That, so it, yeah. it's,
1: it's a conscious effort. It's a conscious effort. I would say, um, I don't believe in prisons. Um, I, I You know, as a, a scholar advocate, I, I absolutely think that there should be other rehabilitation forms of rehabilitation for folks that are committing crimes. I do not think nonviolent offenders should be, um, you know, uh, institutionalized. I, I I don't believe in prison, period.
0: Mm-hmm. So if
1: you if we want to discuss that part, I think prisons were created um, to do conflict leasing and to incarcerate, you know, large large amounts of, of black and brown people and to use them for convict leasing which is basically slave labor oh yeah um, and, and to break the black family in my opinion and demasculate the black man um, so I don't find any use in prison um, in prisons at all and I don't believe in the death penalty so I'm definitely not one for either of those <laughs> um, but I do think, I do think there's really positive ways that That we And I I don't believe in policing either, Mm, militarized policing especially. I do not believe that these police should be able to walk around and decide whether or not my life matters or other black people's lives matter.
0: Yeah. So so to to go into that, there's a there's a quote that I had ready, because the the thing is, when you talk about race, you have to talk about the militarization of of police. And um, this is this is from um, a Nixon campaign aide and this is from um, his domestic policy chief, John Enrique I'm probably saying his uh, last name wrong, but he told uh, the Washington Post, "'You understand what I'm saying? We, "'We knew we couldn't make it illegal "'to be either against the war or black, "'but by getting the public to associate the hippies "'with marijuana and blacks with heroin, "'and then criminalizing both heavily, "'we could disrupt those communities.' He said, we could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. And so the, the thing is, is that I think this is where I divulge with, uh, I guess, on, on, on your, your pr- uh, purview, is that I, I have had actually bad run-ins with police. Uh, I, I have.
1: As have I, yeah, and yeah,
0: and so the thing is, is like if we do go to you know anarchy, if we don't have police, like all that, and, and it, logically it would lead to you know kings. It would lead to, it would lead to those with the strongest weapons and the most weapons in control. I, I I'm absolutely for community policing, but I, I think, oh, I'm not. <laughs> you, uh, I, I think, I think. I, th- this is, this is a thing. I don't think anyone who listens to me, I don't have all the answers to everything. I, I don't. And I think that the, the police structure, like doctors, nurses, and lawyers, they have to go through sv- significant education. Uh, like, what was it? Average of eight years of education to, to get a medical license or to actually treat someone and police are first responders they 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 are dealing with the the public and and it's like one police unions and teachers unions are i am all for unionization but there are two rogue unions that i am i am not for and that's police unions and teachers unions because they allow these quote unquote bla- bad apples to continue to not only discriminate but continue to sexually assault to, to to murder and these criminals to be passed around whether it's school districts or they put them on administrative leave when they kill a black man right and right. and it's like you know with with prison i think we both have to acknowledge that there are some people that shouldn't be in public society like rapist right and i
1: would argue that those people need have have mental health you know uh struggle with their mental health and i i absolutely think that we shouldn't just have them on the street you know unable to um you know be a a contributing citizen um but i think if someone kills someone Mm -hmm. something is wrong with their mental health and that person needs to be uh, in a in mental institution receiving help and receiving the right psychotropic drugs mm-hmm. um I, again if, if someone is stealing that sounds like they have a need
0: oh yeah that's a that's a crime so of poverty i think there's ways yeah. that
1: we as a society can begin to weed out again especially nonviolent offenses in ways that we don't need um, prison systems i, I again I, I don't think that folks that struggle with mental health that could kill others or, or have different, they, they need a place, but they need a, a mental rehabilitation place. And they I, don't need yeah. to be in the prisons that we are modern day prisons that we are, are definitely private, not private sector prisons, like the ones here in Texas that are, are proudly um, using co- convict. Leasing I, I, so I think that
0: is the most insane thing for people that don't know this, the United States in, <laughs> has in prison more people than communist China or the Rus- Russian Federation, or or you know these other authoritarian regimes, like that is absolutely insane. Like there's something yeah. wrong. There's there's clearly something wrong with our prison system. I agree. I think you know if somebody wants to smoke weed, they should be able to smoke weed. If somebody wants to you know put a substance in their body, willing that they are not operating a motor vehicle or putting others at risk, absolutely go for it. Um, right
1: and i'm for needle exchange programs which are illegal Mm -hmm. um i'm i'm not i understand that everybody's um you know journey and path is different Mm -hmm. and it's not up to us to decide you know and again most people that are struggling anybody that is struggling with substance abuse is someone who is struggling with mental health issues Mm -hmm. and so i think that if As we begin as a society to take mental health more seriously, then a day of of of, a future day of of a a world without prison or a United States without prison would seem more likely. But if we keep demonizing victims of mental health, you know, schizophrenia, different things that lead people to to kill, that lead people to do, you know, whatever things that that may have them um, incarcerated for, then you know, we'll keep justifying things like the death penalty. We'll keep justifying, Mm -hmm. you know, the uh, three strikes rule. And and, and that honestly doesn't help us as a community.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like this is something that, you know, reading the new Jim Crow is, is that is, or any, just any research or literature is that people don't understand the, the links that the United States government has gone to, to, murder black people (laughs) like and and i I, i'm i'm assuming you know about the fbi literally sending dr martin luther king a letter telling him that he needs to commit suicide that the only way that he can uh solve the race issue is for him to kill himself the fbi did that or the cia admitting in 1998 that yeah we did in fact you know block um police, uh, police offices from investigating us bringing over cocaine from Nicaragua and putting it on the streets of LA and in urban communities. And, and, and that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. When you start getting to the bombing of the race riots in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921, or even, um, the Philadelphia bombing, um, where they, they, the police force literally went in a helicopter and dropped C four explosive, killing eleven people and destroying sixty four homes. And of those eleven children or eleven people were children. They were black children, and then they the this ugly truth about American society is that it's you know this is something that I think my realization in the last since I started this podcast. Is that we we've got a problem here in the United States? We we just do, and it, it's you can point to communist China and be like, yes, like it is wrong that they are you know enslaving and imprisoning one and a half million Uyghur Muslims. It is wrong that they are trying to curb democracy in Hong Kong. But what are we doing here? Like, why why are we pointing the finger at them? We need to fix the problem here. Like this is we are we are literally. we are criminalizing just being black at this point and it's i cannot it's that's something i'm having been having to grapple with is that people aren't realizing this whether it's you know trayvon martin or uh i may be saying his wrong uh name wrong fidel castillo or michael brown or sandra bland which is the one that disgusts me like all these disgust me, but there's something inherently wrong about, you know, Sandra Bland um, or just a black man grabbing his wallet from his car after a police officer told him to grab his wallet from his car. and Then, you know, unloads 15 rounds into him um, or in the horrible instance of George Floyd, you have the man handcuffed, you have control of the body and, and not even the events leading up to it of assuming that a black man is you know giving a fraudulent check there's something wrong with that in itself but the
1: actually i just want to cut you, cut you off yeah, there. they it, did find it. out that the, that, that the check went through yeah no there that's yes yes
0: thank you yeah that's what but even
1: if even if the if even if the check was that does not uh you know require the type of force that they put on oh it,
0: it, that's the thing the thing is about you know whether it was a maude arbery Um, this is something that I've heard from several people is that, oh, he was sprinting towards, uh, those guys. And they, you know, if you had somebody sprinting towards you, you would shoot them. Right. No, I'm not going to shoot somebody. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to take extrajudicial actions against another human being. Like as, as someone, so, um, I ran for the Texas state track team and I'm, I've been a runner my whole life. The guy wasn't sprinting. At, um yeah the, i was murders. gonna say
1: i disagree that yeah we yeah sprinting, i watched the video
0: yeah no that's the thing is like it, we both watched that video he he was not sprinting he was literally uh correct me if i'm wrong if you're running on the street and somebody tries to pull you over are you gonna stop no no yeah no <laughs> it's just that's asinine
1: not in that part of georgia either
0: and and so we we're confronted with <laughs> but this. you
1: have to understand you know you have to understand that it's not about logic mm-hmm. you know if you watch that film a Birth of a nation and, and they have you know this g- black-faced white guy following a white woman all through the forest until she falls off a cliff and you know to, to take away her her white her whiteness and her purity like these these images that are are you know and these messages that are, are pushed on on whites, uh, generationally, it's like it's 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 that the black man is a beast and the black woman is 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 to be afraid of, and it's it's to, it's all these tactics that that have been used and are working. So when people say, "Oh, this is it's not working the way it was supposed to be," everything that is set up in a, in our American uh, society, in our institutionalized systems, was to privilege white men. Then women and everyone else at the bottom, mm-hmm. and you know, as 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 years, you know, and migration happens, and Asians become a part of the, the picture in the U.S. and and um, you know, other uh, uh, people that aren't just a- of African descent, you know, there becomes this racial hierarchy and this model minority differences. But it, it, it honestly is all about not seeing the black body as as human and as worthy and as enough. And um I'm I'm not surprised when I hear what you mentioned about Nixon and I'm not surprised when I see even modern day Trump, you know, rhetoric, all of this stuff is is working the way founding fathers had hoped it would work. And so that's why yeah. I think this drastic, you know, abolishing prisons, things of that nature is necessary because everything that is set up currently is to privilege white men.
0: Mm-hmm especially wealth just wealthy like i, I mean the oh, wealth the, distribution yeah efforts. yeah yeah of course. And, and, and so this is where you know i hope you know if i if i haven't lost listeners at this point like the thing is like I, I, something that i've been trying to work on this year especially during quarantine i was like you know will like you need to be true to yourself like at the end of the day what what surprised me about quarantine is how fast it went and to be honest we should technically still be in quarantine it's like no
1: yeah i am i y- hope all your listeners are <laughs> and,
0: and, and so that's State's something
1: opening does not mean um, the pandemic stopped and we do not have a vaccine that's
0: what's insane right it's like the house is burning down and we're not mm-hmm. doing anything it's it's it, it, that that's what you know i i've I, I told people about this in i i think the four horsemen podcast i did back in march was the the thing is there's a book you should read and the listeners should read is uh there's two books it's a uh, the Great Influenza, and then uh, the Ghost Map, and uh, the Great Influenza, of course, is about the 1918 pandemic of Spanish flu, and then um, the Ghost Map is about the epidemic of cholera in London. And the thing is, is you know, diseases, as we're seeing right now, infectious diseases, always historically affect poor people, and especially in this case, not only black people, but just Poor black people to where if you and I get it, we're getting a bill for forty thousand dollars. Like that's that's absolutely absurd, and uh, the the this this weird you know the mental gymnastics of bending of, uh, you know, that, oh, hey, people are literally protesting to go back to work. Well, we wouldn't have to go back to work if we had a social security system in place or a social safety net in place that took care of us, right? Right. And it's, it, it's weird because, you know, this directly correlates like we were talking about earlier, you know, where people can protest and arguably uh, commandeer a government building with AR-15s, the and then people go and this is something that I'm having trouble with is I I'm do I agree with looting I don't know because at this juncture black black Americans and black people have been unsuccessful in in nonviolent protest it, it just it, it, correct me if I'm wrong there has been no success. And moving the there needle. There has been
1: no success, no sir. There hasn't.
0: And and so, but, yeah. Like, what are we left to do? Or uh, I
1: mean, I, 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 it's interesting. I, I was seeing um, this uh, thing going around about uh, not thing. Sorry. There's a, a, a Langston Hughes quote, mm-hmm. and um, he says, "In order for nonviolence to work, your opponent must have a conscience." And uh, he says, "The United States has none." Hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I totally understand why folks would think that that, you know, looting a target, uh, you know, which was not just done by black people. I've seen many clips of many white people in mm-hmm. there getting things, um, but the intention behind it, um, I, I would say capitalism is looting.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, billionaires
1: getting richer during a pandemic is looting, and so when I see many whites on Facebook and in different social media platforms showing all this concern for looting, um, it, it just it, it doesn't it seems disingenuous. and it's 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 like you know, I I, I understand that we don't want to have we don't want to live in a uh, any community where you know there's there's places being ransacked and set on fire, um, but again, like the Langston Hughes um, quote we've been nonviolent, and, and our opponent isn't is not nonviolent. You've mentioned Sandra Bland, you've mes- mentioned Aba- Ahmad, you mentioned George Floyd, and that, that's only a few. We could mm-hmm. list hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of names um, uh, of, of black brutality, black violence, black death at the hands of whites and, and um, at the hands of the structures of, 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 of institutionalized systems. Um, supported by, by white supremacy in this country. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that we should be protesting at all during a pandemic, but that has a lot to do with the fact that our country isn't taking the pandemic seriously. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, I do think that protesting is necessary I think that a bit of violence is necessary because we're, we're not being taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, Brianna's killing the 26 year old that was killed in Louisville. Oh
0: content. yes, please please um, tell the listeners about that because that is actually I mean all of it's insane, but there's some there's this, this is just well,
1: you know. just in a nutshell, you know, um, she was an EMT. Um, she, uh, you know, was often seen in her uniform. So her, her, her neighbors knew that she wasn't someone selling drugs. Um, there was apparently a warrant being issued, but it was for someone who was a male and had, was already in police custody and had lived a few houses down from her. Um, the police uh, came in. And when they—well, sorry, before they came in, they they knocked pretty loudly, and her her boyfriend, who was there, um, did have a gun, um, which was licensed, and he did a warning shot that did not hit any of the police, and they all fired off rounds. And um, after they killed that woman, um, they didn't even call the ambulance. They just left the scene um God. and there was nothing found no illegal firearms no drugs again even if there was that it does not that doesn't make i, I want to be clear that that doesn't make someone deserve uh the type of fate that she got um but uh the person that was on this so-called warrant for drugs was already again in police custody and they killed that woman and no one has been arrested nothing has um there's been you know some 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 good things coming out of minnesota folks are those officers are, have been arrested. They haven't been convicted. And I want to be clear to your readers, or sorry to your listeners, that it's not a win until there's a conviction.
0: Mm-hmm. Getting in
1: police custody is a, is, is a slap on the wrist. That is not a conviction. Um, but again, back to uh, to, to Bree's death, um, death she, there has been no strides in that case at all. Um, so just, and, and again, this was not a black man. This was a black woman sleeping in her bed. Um,
0: that's so fucking insane. And they
1: left her there.
0: Oh my God, uh, that's so insane like if, if the thing is is uh, is if someone uh, they correct me if I'm wrong, they were plain clothes, right
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, the, that they weren't in uniform, correct?
1: Oh, oh they were it was in the middle of the night yes. They were sleeping. In their bed. Oh yeah,
0: so the thing is if if I have police officers or fucking anyone for that matter, come knock on my door and try to break my door down, try to enter my space without my consent. I am going to defend myself. I am absolutely right. going to defend myself, and and that's that's what is absolutely insane is that there's this weird. The, it's not even weird. I guess like you said, it's actually how the system is built. But right. this, this standard that police are held to, to where you and I have to maintain composure while we're being interrogated, and and. and this police officer, who's you know with light trigger fingers, you know if I move to the right or actually listen to his commands to get my wallet or to grab my you know ID or insurance, he he's probably going to shoot me, and right. then and then he's going to get away with it. Right, and, that's right. And and so this is something for the for for everyone is that it, this should disturb everyone is that in thirty five states in the United States. A police officer can rape you and get away with it because there are no laws on the books for a police officer raping you, and and therefore they could get away with it. And that's through the research that I've been doing. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, is and
1: you know, it's it's so crazy because being being on this podcast with you, it's so crazy how we can talk about you know stuff happening in Georgia, you know, killings happening in, 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 in Minneapolis and all over the mm-hmm. country, but right here in Austin, you know, APD officer Christopher Taylor killed oh my gosh, Mike Ramos yes, and, yes. and um, they're, and, and he, they're refusing to release the video of him killing. And I, and I, I want to be clear to your listeners that I, I don't, I actually don't um, condone the sharing of any um, killings of black bodies um, through social media, I think it's it's it's, it's unnecessary. Mm. I, I don't. I've never seen any videos, um, you know, going viral of whites dying. I think it's, it's it's it creates PTSD for people in this community. It's 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 very triggering. Um, but I do think it's helpful in court. Um, it's it, and I want to remind people that so many of the instances that we that we refer to during this time together have been only considered serious because there was a video.
0: And, that's, that's and so I just want your yeah. listeners to
1: understand how many people have experienced what we're seeing in these videos, but there has been no videos evidence. And also um, with the, the incident in Central Park with Amy Cooper, if that gentleman didn't record her, there was a, I think there was a, a prosecutor out of, of, out of New York that commented on Twitter and was saying that that she's been to countless trials against Black men where in a hysterical 911 call was used as to, to diminish you know uh, the character of, of the defendant and, and and that and that it would work if there was no other evidence mm-hmm. and so I, I i want people to understand that our lives mean that mean mean so much more than than having to prove death and prove innocence um with videos
0: yeah and that's that's something that i was thinking about earlier i was like You know, if it wasn't for these videos, we wouldn't, you know, know these 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 crimes. They are criminals. And but we have to think about what about all the other ones that haven't been videotaped that that didn't have a cell phone that didn't have a bystander that that, you know, a police officer uh, gets to write on the report that, oh, hey, they're resisting arrest like that there's that there's no accountability like we 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 are you know we they we pay them through our tax dollars and they should be held to the the same standard as us like that's not a lot to ask and you know I, I was trying to pinpoint when did the militarization of the police really start and here's a number that'll, you know, stagger people is that in nineteen ninety six the Department of Defense transferred four point three billion dollars in military equipment to local police departments in the United States under the guise to curb terrorism. And and, and so the the you know, terrorism in ellipses, I'm like who wh- what are they talking about? Terrorism is literally like uh, the the you know, these white kids going in and shooting churches, shooting theaters, and, and that's, that's what's insane is you, the, the man that you just described that was m- murdered in Austin. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it, uh, if I did see, I saw a video by the Austin Statesman uh, yesterday about it. And, okay. and so I, I the thing is, I don't want people to go and glo- like watch it. And, you know, this glorification of like murder in a sense. It's weird because like, you know, we see it and therefore we're being desensitized. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's, it, it's and there's,
1: there's plenty of things that, you know, supporting grassroots organizations, especially any listeners in the Austin greater area. It's, um, you know, the uh, Coalition of Justice. They're working to do this type of work that we see large scale, national scale. They're doing that in Austin. And, and you, um, you know, you can reach out to the families of these victims and, and find out ways that you can support if, it, you know, if the white people in your, you can decide whether people like me and you and other people of color can really start to reflect on whether or not the white people in our lives are allies or they're a part of the problem. That contributes to our mental health and our quality of life. Um, and, and again, I mentioned kids before, and I can't stop mentioning that, but empower that next generation with, with the knowledge, with the know-how, and, um, and, and be, say their names, be, 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 be intentional about speaking about them. There's plenty of stuff that we can do by not watching trauma porn mm-hmm. and, still, and still getting, you know, validating the situation. We can describe what happened, but we, we don't have to share these videos. It's, it, it really breaks my heart because, again, I don't see videos of white people going viral being killed
0: yeah like there's there's only one that comes to mind is um there was a police officer who um he had and and this is you know not like you know comparing the two but this is you know a horrible incident where a police officer told these two kids in their 20s at a hotel to get on the ground and to crawl forward and you know on the body cam footage he keeps telling him these confusing commands i'm like what the what what are you doing you know just tell him to you you know that. The police department came out afterwards and said that is not procedure. And that's the, f- the interesting thing is that there's clearly an epidemic of under-training and under-education of police officers in the U.S. And that there, there needs to be some form of whether it's they need to take, you know, mental health training or they need to have mental health screenings. Um, or, or they need to, you know, uh, you know, practice martial arts and, you know, understand that putting your neck on the back of someone or putting your knee on the back of someone's (laughs) neck cuts off, you know, the, the, I
1: feel that he knew that though. Yeah, I don't think he did not know that. That's the thing. And their Uh, department has come out and said that they have never trained them to use that tactic. uh, That was his own personal choice
0: and that's the thing you know you watch that video and you're like you know what's gonna happen you know that cutting off blood to someone's head is it, the guy if you if you as a health uh, as a as an emergency responder you know you have to provide uh, services and if right. he's saying he can't breathe well you should pick him up and, and
1: all the bystanders did ask them to check a pulse multiple times throughout the video. And again, it was it was like, like I said, it was never, it was never about, it was never about doing the right thing. It was about proving a point and putting a black man in his place in the his perceived place. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was never about following protocol. It was never about and and it was and it was with the knowledge that they felt they knew they were being recorded, but they didn't think anybody would care enough.
0: Yeah, that's 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 what I, I'm i I've, I've been finding so defeating is that that there's this this and We'll apathy. see if anyone
1: does care enough. We'll see if there's a conviction.
0: No, because no. there's
1: plenty of of, of, of uh, cop killers in this country that have not gotten convictions. So I don't I don't want us to feel like like we've won yet.
0: Oh yeah. When when and do you... I
1: support the protesters in mm-hmm. Minneapolis, and I and I pray for their their safety.
0: Well, that's the thing is like there's, you know, with protest, protest is not an American tradition. I mean, go back to the Boston Tea Party. Right. And right. and it's like th- there's this this clear disconnection between people that are like, oh, they can't protest. And they th- and by them, you know, using the term they, uh, it, it dehumanizes them. And it's it's we live in int- like horrible times. We we really do because there's a there's a quote by James Baldwin, uh, or maybe Henry Baldwin. I know his last name was Baldwin, but he he's uh, he's talking about progress, and he's like, "How fast or how slow do you want your progress to be?" I have been on this earth sixty years, and my mother was on this earth for sixty years, and my great grandmother was on this, you know, so on and so forth. How much time does it take? And and that's, that's, that's what I, I think people, they, they've, they've completely manipulated what, or they've tried to reclassify racism. Right. And that's, that's, what's weird. It's like, they're, they're trying to change the definitions to where, oh, that's not racism. Oh, that's not racism. And I, I just, any r- real logical person would come to grips with that. What is happening, whether it's in the media or whether it's just you know systemic, it is is you know institutionalized. It, it is right. it is, and we have to change it. And uh, you know, and
1: by doing that, we have to change ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and the
1: world as we know it. I like like I said, so many folks have reached out, like thinking that this large scale change comes from from their apartment you know, in East Austin. And that's not, that's not the truth. Large scale change comes from them impacting that East Austin community. Mm -hmm. And then the folks living in Houston, impacting those communities, and the folks living in St. Louis and LA and DC and whatever, for them to do it on a local level, that's when we're going to see, you know, real change. Mm -hmm. um, Because it can't be this broad, it can't be this broad issue that's always someone else's issue someone some other city's issue some other state's issue some other neighborhood's issue it is it's it's our issues mm-hmm. when you open up your door and in, in in or i don't know if you guys live in austin but the, i'm assuming a lot of the folks listening you know live in texas mm-hmm. um you know be honest about the gentrification that you're seeing understand how that is impacting black bodies you know be honest about about um even your work setting like i've said before those things ma- contribute to black death and black violence. And I just I, I need everyone to kind of take a step back and look locally look in a much smaller settings to make impact.
0: Mm-hmm. That's something that I, I think people haven't done is actually, um, you know, not only self reflection, we have an epidemic of a problem of that people being able to self reflect, but to actually going and looking at, you know, what black lives matter stands for. And this is something that that I, I've ran into is like is this counter protest of all lives matter. And it's in and, and this is not what what Black Lives Matter is not saying there. It is it is com- completely showing that there is I mean, you know, statistics. Uh, I could pull up all the statistics. One right now is uh, that uh, Vice News found. Uh, in their study from the 50 largest precincts here in the United States, that police officers kill black men two and a half times more than they do white people, or just white men. And and, and that the epidemic of how often that they unholster their weapons is an entirely problem within itself. I mean, you know, if we look at other Western countries and Western societies— uh, they they don't walk around with firearms, you know, like right. the, the, it's not
1: necessary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, it's, I'm it's a, a gun owner to too. Fear. Yeah. It's,
1: it's been still fear. Yeah. When I ask white people about their feelings on police, um, they, they, they use words to describe, you know, um, uh, protectors and things like that. And, and I have never felt that for any police officer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. You know,
1: and and if it, for for listeners that are looking for sources, if you go to mappingviolence.org, it'll give you you know current 2019 2020 um, you know statistics uh, about you know pr- b- police brutality. Um, just for example, um, the police killed a thousand and ninety nine people in 2000 black people in 2000. Uh, s- sorry, the police killed a thousand. And 99 people in 2019 24% were black and 2.5% were white.
0: Holy shit, yikes. That's um in and that's something is that one the uh, I know in the 18th and 19th even the 20th and 21st century we're seeing this is um you know scientific racism, the phenomenon of that and um, eugenics. Yeah, eugenics um and, and right. trying to explain you know why you know, people are the way they are. It's absolutely unscientific. It, 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 oh, absolutely it, it, it's, not. Absolutely it's not. pseudoscience, I think, is is disgusting. Uh, and it, it's this warping of reality that we've been seeing. And then the, the other phenomenon um, is, you know, that people don't understand is that, you know, I, I am personally not religious. I was uh, raised, you know, in a Catholic household, but... Um, you know, through my own journey, I I don't I don't know, and I don't think anybody knows the answers. But I I like the teachings of Jesus Christ, and in that you know we have to we have to see that you know the teachings of of the Bible have been utilized as a mechanism and a tool to hell um, pretty much push uh, slavery forward. And, and it's right. it it's uh, you know if I was to break it down, I I think not only is it ignorance or apathy, but it's you know a, a severe lack of education uh, right. in our society that we it, and that's why I I hate saying that term. We live in a society because it's become this meme, but it's it it is true. It is true. We we do currently live in a society that values anti intellectualism that is okay with police brutality especially right. against you know our, our our fellow black americans and and people of color in general and i and to be true to myself and for people to to not see that i don't know what the fuck you're smoking like, right it, no
1: i mean like when we were we were mentioning you know um, I, or I was—I've been seeing the mention of how many um, white mass murderers, you know, how they're treated in relation comparison to, say, George Floyd. Um, folks might remember Dylan Roof, who who murdered those nine people in South Carolina, mm. and you know, they he he had no standoff. They took him for Burger King before he went to the. Wait, precinct. what? Oh yeah, there's pictures of them taking. Oh them to my grab something fucking god! You know, and so if we just compare. Even just him to George Floyd, just to to stay relevant, suspected of foraging, foraging, killed, literally murdered nine black people in a church, peacefully arrested. Uh... So, again, it's not about it's not about what's logical. It's not it's if you do not value the black life, then we know what we, we see. We see everything that we see is because of a lack of value on black lives. And that's why, back to what you were saying, that's why we're not talking about all lives matter because we see that Dylan Roof's, his life mattered. We're talking about black lives matter because it is obviously clear, painfully clear that the lives of black and brown people in this country do not matter. And, and we must collectively divest from the myth that police protect people.
0: Oh yeah, no, like that's, I want people to understand this is that it is, is when you are being questioned or arrested, the police are trying to build a case against you. They are not your friends. Uh, there's okay. a there's a video on YouTube that I watched. and It was like, uh, just shut the fuck up. Just don't say anything. Don't talk till right. you have a lawyer. And you know the you know we have a, a public defender crisis here in the United States right now. And it, it, it's wow. The I just realized I'm I'm almost out of time with you um uh oh. the, the two the two hours has gone by uh or an hour and a half has actually gone by really quick so um this net i hope you come back on and talk yeah that I've, would be great i've really enjoyed this um is but but no is i one i didn't know about dylan roof i mean he's a piece of shit and um yeah. like the thing is like this is what i was going to say with Uh, With capital punishment, I feel like it should be reserved for the most egregious crimes committed against humanity. And as a state to hold power over its electorate, that there are certain crimes that that, uh, I guess surmount to this person shouldn't live. And I believe Dylan Roof or any other mass murderer, whether it was the Dahmers um, or any serial killers – it's hard for me to digest that. Yeah. Those people, you know, should just be rehabilitated. It's,
1: and you know, I would say that those people are psychopaths mm -hmm. and that, and that, you know, and I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that that Dylan Roof killed nine black people in that South Carolina church, but I would say that he killed those people um, because he has a mental health illness. I think that anyone that is an extremist, has a mental health issue and, and has issues with their regulatory systems
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and-, and so
1: you know I, I personally don't believe in the death penalty because I, I, I strongly believe in, in 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 mental health and the that, that there are chem- some folks do have chemical imbalances that they're born with and, and they can't regulate how you and I can regulate um, but but I, I will say that my point is to show that there's a differential treatment between Whites and blacks and that we are not calling out white supremacist white terrorism in this country The FBI won't even label it as white terrorist terrorism in most cases oh, And so I, I think you know that we we need to be mindful We need to be mindful that any extremist it has a mental health issue But that white terrorists are, are being fueled by white supremacist rhetoric and we need to acknowledge that white terrorism is a thing
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I I think that that's absolutely backwards is that we we can't, you know, one define it as it absolutely is by definition, you know, going in and killing people, because whether it's the color of their skin, or for whatever, whatever, whatever other, um, you know, denomination that they fall into, or uh, just killing them because of that, that's absolutely terrorism. That's striking fear into into people of, of that group, right?
1: Right, but the FBI isn't charging them with with hate crimes, and they're not charging yeah. them with t- with terrorism, did, with domestic terrorism. Did you
0: ever read uh, George Orwell's 1984?
1: No, I don't think I did. Oh,
0: you should. It's a great book. Um, you it, gotta send it to me. Oh yeah, no, I definitely will. Um, if anything, if uh, once this is all over, I, I hope uh, we get to do this in person. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, but there's there's a part in. in in it, there's this, you know, cognitive dissonance, this double think to where there are two competing truths. And, you know, this um, one of them, for instance, is like the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation um, have committed so many injustices. It's, it is a, it's almost predicated on, you know, systematically oppressing people, whether it is, you know, poor working people or you know minorities, and and yet it is called you know the Department of Justice. I I've I've found that phenomena very odd, and that how there there's a there, there's a number of movies that uh, I'm trying. I think it's uh it lives. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's essentially I think 1990s. And if you put sunglass if you put these special sunglasses on and you look at a tv or a sign it says consume eat um you know it's essentially uh, critiquing propaganda in the united states mm-hmm. and i think that's something we've got to realize i mean uh, one people don't want to be told that hey you voted a certain way because of you know propaganda uh, because mm-hmm. that that's admitting that y- you are You know, malleable. Influence, but we are influenced. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's so. I think we've got to, you know, recognize not only our, our like we were talking about implicit biases, but also that, yeah. Mm And, and, and that's
1: why that's why someone that's why Amy Cooper is so powerful. You know, we got to be on the the, the other side of it where she she didn't get to use that nine one one hysterical call, fake hysterical call, to imprison that black man or threaten that black man's life because he recorded her and he had the means to record her. Um, but you know,
0: that, and that's something that before I forget, because I know I, I ran into this. So that commentator that I talked to you about, uh, Candace Owens. I, I don't recommend. I I say I recommend you listening to that perspective, because um, I like going and looking at the other side to see what they're saying, and right. and okay, and seeing like okay, what you're saying is bullshit, <laughs> and right. um uh because she was saying that there's nothing racist about that, and I'm like about what about. Uh, amy cooper saying identifying him as a black man that she's going to call the, well, police. the thing
1: is before she called she says she's going to oh tell yes
0: him. yes and so that that was my point right. it's like anybody listening to that and
1: she started crying on the oh, phone that's, that's, when that's the man insane. had never approached her when her dog came up to it was it was his arde- he she felt that he didn't have the right to let her know of park rules.
0: Yeah, no, that's what's the that, And that's
1: what fueled her fire.
0: <sighs> if you listen to it, the vindictiveness in her saying, "I'm gonna let them know an African American man is um, harassing me," right? Right. And and, and just weaponizing and then that. And crying
1: on the phone and screaming. Oh,
0: that that just, <sighs> God, that's horrible. But that's... that
1: but that's what pe- honestly that is what people need to see because they know that's the truth
0: yeah that it it, it you know it, it totally is it, it is you know hey and I, that's
1: the condition going back to the conditioning she she had been told all of her life that her life is so precious and means so much more than the black man's that any nine one one caller or or, or or receiver who would hear her would know that they need to come rescue her and not think twice about it the world has told her society has told her every day that she matters that she's important that her her word stands and that she's protected
0: my god uh, that's uh, i think uh one mooney thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and hey thanks and, uh, for know, thanks for inviting I, me i, really I, I know you. i know you're super busy um question i was the last question i was gonna ask are you gonna go protest because i'm uh, a part of me wants to. Uh, part of me you know, doesn't want, want to you get COVID, to, but <laughs> it
1: is a pandemic. I do not have health insurance, mm,
0: oh, and
1: um, I, I really hope. I, I, I think that it's beautiful. I I, I support it one hundred percent. But I do think people need to be honest with themselves that we are that the pandemic has not stopped. That it doesn't seem that our president is taking it very seriously, or and a that I, I hope I just want people to be safe with their bodies. Yeah,
0: no, I, and that's something that um, I've ran into. I've been uh, called a sheep. I've been called scared. Um, I've, well, that's yeah, the, the oh, pandemic
1: yeah. isn't making you scared. You oh know? yeah, I'm not scared to go out there and pr- protest, but possibly dying and, and or infecting others possibly having it and infecting others i think is more selfish oh, and there's other ways that we can put our money where our mouth is and, mm-hmm. and our efforts um co- collectivize our efforts
0: absolutely where uh where can people uh, find you at uh, oh, instagram um, youtube you
1: know, please check out my ted okay uh, my ted's under my first and last name which i'm sure will be provided on the link with this um and uh, it's called uh who taught you to hate yourself understanding skin bleaching. Um, but if folks, you know, want to email me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that going up on the website. I, um, I also have an Instagram. Um, it's my first name and middle name. So Mueni Loco, Mm L-O-K-O. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always, please reach out to me for resources, reach out to me to discuss. I'd love that.
0: Well, Mueni, I, I, I've enjoyed this. We're going to have to do this again. we're definitely
1: gonna have to do this we got to bring
0: a third person if anything um i was honestly uh thanking uh kayla because i've been uh i've been asking her all these questions uh with her expertise but uh yeah we definitely are if you have a friend that wants to come on um hey they're always welcome so you're always welcome as well so well hey i think uh we're at an hour and 40 now
1: Oh
0: man, we pushed it Well hey, I'm gonna go ahead and let you go, but seriously uh, thanks for this Um, I'm gonna post this podcast up and then that's all she wrote
1: All right. all all have a good one
0: You as well Y'all, I hope y'all enjoyed that as much as I did Uh, Be sure to go check out Mooney's TED Talk, I'll be posting that in the description of the podcast I really did enjoy that Please, if you enjoyed it as well rate review and subscribe and share um but yeah y'all stay safe out there i know times are crazy uh but we all need to be a little bit more together i would say so y'all take it easy see ya